trying to remember. Is the guy in the Forever People the Infinity Man or the Forever Man? I think he's the Infinity Man. He should be the Forever Man. But I thought it was Forever Man. Did you read this in singles? Mm, no. Okay. So was this your first time reading it or your second it time? It was. All right, ladies and germs, welcome to another scintillating tale on Never Stay Dead. Your co-host, Matthew Derrigish, along with Damien, also known as Sleepy Reader on YouTube, are going to be discussing Mr. Miracle, the uh, recent epic from Tom King and Mitch Gerdes. Gerards, I've always heard it pronounced. Gerards. Gerards, but it All right. could be Gerards. Yeah, this is a book a lot of people like, so we thought we'd give it a go. It's a book I liked when I first read it in single issues, and now I've reread it a second time in uh, in its book form. So uh, it was a bit harder to read the second time because I knew how depressing it was going to be. <laughs> Did you find it depressing? (laughs) I did find it depressing in some odd ways. I found it hard to chew through in the first half, and the back half kind of caught me a bit more. Yeah, I think it might serve better as a single-issue kind of experience because it's dense in its own kind of way, and each chapter now, rather than issue, has its own kind of tone and approach to a degree. That's true. Each issue kind of has its own method and mold, which I did appreciate that at least. There's definitely a craft to this book, as odd as it is. Each issue had kind of a shtick. So it kind of, even though it was all one continuing story, if you can even call it a story in a sense, even though it was all one project, you could kind of read individual issues and just kind of get a thing out of those. Do you mind if I just plunge into a kind of blow by blow just to give anybody who hasn't read it and doesn't mind spoilers or doesn't recall all of it? Right after I read one little bit, which I thought was prophetic, considering the last book we covered, this book was propped up to say there are master magicians performing here. Their names are Tom King and Mitch Garretts, Brad Meltzer, Identity Crisis, (laughs) The Tenth Circle. You know, I saw links to Brad Meltzer in this. Um, Interesting. For instance, marriage as a theme. Marriage. Marriage. You don't know anything about that, but being a swinging bachelor, someday <laughs> you'll have kids and uh, change diapers. <laughs> but um, <laughs> this isn't five years ago, man. Oof. For those who don't know, uh, Matt is in the thick of it. I am past the baby diaper phase, but Matt is probably still losing sleep and holding his nose as he changes diapers, I, I would guess. Uh, it's not the diapers, it's the screaming. The screaming, ah, yes. Um, so, yeah, so in a way, each chapter is its own kind of little playlet, little theme that it f- focuses. So I'm sort of going to... try to very quickly give a summary of each little chapter and what it's about. Okay. So, for instance, the first chapter is essentially about uh, Scott Free, Mr. Miracle, has attempted suicide and the aftermath of that. And in that aftermath, he learns from his father, who's called High Father, not a High Times kind of reference, but as in... (laughs) He's like Zeus or Odin. He learns from his father that uh, Darkseid has indeed gotten hold of the anti-life equation. And he starts noticing things that he remembered in reality are no longer the same, like people's eye color or someone he thought was alive is now dead and that sort of thing. I think the High Father gets killed at the end of that, of the end of that chapter. Mm-hmm. And then the next beat is that Orion has become the High Father and he's declared war on Apocalypse. And uh, our heroes, Scott Free, Mr. Miracle, and his wife, Big Barda, are um, battling as generals for Orion against Apocalypse. And 
ten, sorry, hundreds of thousands of people are being killed in battles here. So they're huge battles. We're not shown them. They're all kind of, hmm. we just see a few individuals fighting, but we're told about hundreds of thousands of people dying. And, um, and then we see kind of some trouble, troubling changes in Orion, where he is becoming kind of a dictator and killing people he doesn't like, you know, on his own side and that sort of thing. And unfortunately for him, Mr. Miracle confesses to Orion that he thinks that Darkseid has gotten into his head with the anti-life equation, which, the, at least in the old days, the anti-life equation would allow Darkseid to control everyone's willpower. But it now seems like maybe the anti-life equation allows Darkseid to change reality. Hmm. So Orion puts uh, Mr. Miracle on trial for being a traitor. And uh, he decides, Orion decides to be the judge, jury, prosecutor, and defender all in one. <laughs> they have a crazy little trial in the condo of Big Barda and Mr. Miracle where they all eat, they, all, they have a veggie tray and they're eating veggies and stuff. And of course they find Mr. Miracle guilty and Mr. Miracle is ordered to report for execution. <laughs> yeah, you know. So then they have a whole issue where Mr. Miracle decides whether he should fight or just let Orion execute him. He keeps, he basically puts it on Big Barda and says, you know, just say the word and I will stay and not allow myself to be executed. And finally, at the end of the issue, she says, stay. And then they and then the following issue, the following chapter, they both go off to New Genesis, the home of the new gods, the good, the supposed good guys, and battle their way, killing numerous people to get to Orion to defy this execution thing. And when they get there, Orion's already been killed. And later we're told he was killed by Darkseid. I don't know if that's totally clear. And the interesting thing is while they're battling their way th uh, through, I don't know, a very dark part of New Genesis, I don't know exactly where they are, while they're battling their way through New Genesis's uh, defenses, uh, they're having discussions about how to redo the interior decor of their house. And eventually it's revealed the reason why Big Barter wants to do this She's pregnant and she's going to have a baby. So then the next chapter is Big Barda having a baby at a regular Los Angeles hospital. She has her baby and the umbilical cord gets caught around the baby's neck. And since she's a god, they can't cut her umbilical cord with regular tools. But luckily they have a special knife, I guess, made from the bones of a god or something. And they cut through it. And then there's a whole chapter about the, that goes back and forth between Big Barda and um, Scott Free fighting in this big war against Apocalypse, and then them at home raising the baby, changing diapers, dealing with the screaming like Matt's dealing with. Then the next chapter is peace negotiations, which take place in Apocalypse where we see all kinds of horrors. And it, basically the negotiations end with Darkseid saying, I'll give you everything you want if you give me your baby. And of course, so what I failed to mention here really is that we did talk about this in a previous episode where we talked about the new gods. Uh, Scott Free is the son of High Father, and Orion is the son of Darkseid. And in a previous peace agreement, they swapped sons. And um, Scott Free was sent to basically the torture pits of Granny Goodness to be trained to be a typical apocalypse warrior. And that's where he met Big Barda, and they escaped and, and moved to Earth and had a nice life there. So now they're being asked to give their baby up to live through the tortures that they lived through. And so then we get a whole chapter of them trying to decide, do we give up our baby and save hundreds of thousands, if not millions and billions of people, or do we fight? And at the end, they decide to fight and to trick Darkseid, to kill Darkseid. And then we get a chapter where they confront Darkseid, and after some turnarounds, they eventually do kill Darkseid. All of this is not telling you the tone of things, which again includes a veggie platter and all kinds of weird moments, including where Darkseid pulls out his eye and gives it to them. The thing that finally gets Darkseid is the same knife they used to cut the baby's umbilical cord. And they right. jam that into his brain and that kills him. 
And, um, and at the very end of that chapter, I guess that's like the penultimate chapter, at the very end of that chapter, Metron appears, or he was there all along in disguise, and reveals that there's another universe, another life that Mr. Miracle could have led. And he just shows, we just see a picture of the standard DC heroes coming at us, which confused me because I thought we were already in the standard DC universe just through Tom King's eyes. And then in the final chapter, it's almost a coda to all this action. It's Mr. Miracle and Barda and their baby and their babysitter who looks like Stan Lee and his name Funky Flashman. So they're back to regular life. But the question is, are they now in hell or are they now in heaven? Did Mr. Miracle succeed in killing himself or did he re just reject going to the proper universe? I don't know. I didn't understand that chapter at all. And so that's my super quick summary, which gives you some sense of the book, but not really. <laughs> right. Yeah, this is an odd one. I would say the book is done in some kind of almost extreme um, indie art comic book style, you know, with tons of these repeating panels and dialogue, kind of a la uh, Brian Michael Bendis at his most extreme in a way, dialogue that's disconnected this weird dark humor and everyone's very human and weak and not heroic despite being gods all the time and the whole idea of gods isn't totally taken seriously like having a trial while while having a really bad party in your living room with uh with a veggie platter yeah so this book was odd you hit kind of the major plot points but what's weird is the plot is kind of put in a tone where it feels secondary very much so yes so all throughout the story while all this heightened stuff is going on there's the war there's dark side there's this idea of giving up their child for the war essentially and them dealing with the new god shenanigans and the costumes and all that is this idea of the modernity of life uh dealing with their condo having the veggie tray and a lot of it is Scott Free just kind of, I just kind of woefully, meagerly going through existence. It seems right. He's kind of a schlub, right? And in even that, though he's a celebrity and everything, there's a big moment when he chooses to get himself together where he shaves because he's kind of slovenly the entire time, and that's kind of that's the sort of thing that's supposed to really have more emotional resonance mm -hmm. whereas all this new god stuff is just kind of periphery around him bothering to get himself together but it's odd because it's also played that a lot of his problems are basically ptsd a childhood of torture that both mm -hmm. he and his wife have gone through and yet a lot of it is just played as you know the dullness of everyday life and married life and all of that well, and I think there's a reason for that. The idea is like your childhood and even the early days of him being Mr. Miracle, so young adult, are just kind of viewed as these halcyon days of color. Whereas his current state in his 30s-ish, I'm going to be guessing, right, is kind of this dull gray where he's going through the motions and has the memories of the good times, but now he's just kind of going through. He's doing these outlandish escapes because that's how he makes money and he's just kind of going through it but he doesn't really care as much anymore he he kind of really negs on the fact that scott free isn't really his name but something kind of brought down to him from granny goodness from when he was in the pits because he would escape and they'd say scott free you know for mm -hmm. now kind of an idea it was supposed to be kind of a neg but he ran with it right yeah it's a mockery of him to call him scott free because they thought he would never get free but on the other hand uh this book does something where he views granny goodness in a way i've never seen her depicted before where he has kind of a softness for her because ultimately she was the one who raised him and so right. when they see granny goodness again he's pretty um friendly with her and he can't bring him, he's sort of emotionally swayed by all her manipulations. He can't bring himself to kill her, which is their assignment from Orion. Um, right. Whereas Big Barda has no issue. Right. There's a lot of weak husband, strong wife stuff going on here. <laughs> a lot of different levels, um, with that being kind of the ultimate, I suppose, of it. 
where she is able to kill their mother and he is not. <laughs> well, and she's taking care of so much and doing everything. He just kind of does what he does and prods along, whereas she's the one kind of forcing and pushing everything the entire time. Right. Yeah, the only time he really makes a decision for himself is finally the decision to uh, to pretend to give Darkseid their baby and then kill Darkseid. I think that is his decision. But yeah. other than that, he doesn't make many decisions. Yeah, so he's whipped in his 30s. That tracks. Um, I wouldn't call him whipped, though. I mean, I would call him uh, almost catatonically depressed. I See, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I got kind of a depression vibe, but you think he's actually depressed, though. Go on with that. It's not like he even has... A desires that his wife is beating out of him or something like that or you know like you want to go out drinking with the boys but your wife says you got to stay home and change the diapers or whatever it's not like that it's more like he's just laying around the house and she has to kind of prod him back to life or something yeah i don't know he just seems kind of out of it to me um i read it more as an age parable than uh anything about depression but you seem to be I think it's a mental illness. I mean, at there's also the whole question of, you know, what's real and what isn't. So at times it could be that he's just gone insane. Or as the ending implies, maybe he died. And this is his fantasy, either in heaven or hell, depending on which way you view it. Yeah. So, I don't know. To me, this kind of this book just kind of prodded along up until the exact frame where you pointed out they were talking about the apartment. And then she brings up the fact that she's pregnant. That's when the book kind of churned a corner for me. Huh. So because I, I read it um, in single issues, I remember enjoying it perfectly well before that. I mean, I okay. was all intrigued by the question of, you know, they kept flashing dark side is and the idea that dark side might be controlling reality and that everything he's going through is somehow controlled by dark side. The only thing is that that after we got to the point of the baby, that kind of got dropped. The idea that, you know, Hey, wait a minute, your eyes aren't the right color or, you know, this person was alive or whatever other details there were. Mm -hmm. So I'm not sure what Tom King had in mind with that other than he was playing with it for a while. Then he started saying, Hey, they're going to have a baby. I'll play with them having a baby. I thought it was dark side is dead. Oh, huh. And once he's dead, you can drop it because... Do they say Darkseid is dead somewhere near the end? No, not really. I just... That's how I took it when we were kind of done. Because you're right, they drop it once they get to that point, once they drop him. Right. So... Um, I'm Now I'm flipping through this chapter where Darkseid dies, and there is one thing that says Darkseid is when it seems like Darkseid is winning. Okay. But then they do successfully kill him. But then I think in the coda, there's one dark side is. I just don't know what he was doing with the dark side is. Well, my thought was it was kind of this testament because so much of the conflict of the new gods is in around dark side, right? He's yes, the reason yes. that the kids get flipped. He's the reason for his childhood. He's the reason right. for all this with his kid. There's no dark. There's no. There's no new god saga or Mr. Miracle or anything without Darkseid. He's the force that drives it all. Right. So if Darkseid is dead, it's kind of like a new chapter. I suppose it sort of implies at the end that he's ch that he could have chose to go into this world of DC heroes and instead he's chosen just a world of pure sort of domestic schlubbery. Although he <laughs> still talks about being a god. Yeah. It's just ultimately, so when I, when I picked it up again, I was worried about getting really depressed. And I guess I was during parts of it, um, just reading about it. He does a very effective um, horrors of war and horrors of uh, torture and all of that kind of stuff. He really thinks through what Scott Free and Big Barda and anyone else under the care of Granny Goodness must have really gone through and how their real bodies are scars and burns and stuff everywhere and they've had plastic surgery to make them look normal again and it, that builds throughout the book that sense of you know scarred tortured children mm -hmm. it does which is weird because they're gods so you think they could be 
maybe they would just naturally heal after being tortured. Yeah. Well, they, they drop in and out of the, the stuff about gods, and then they talk about God. And plus, <laughs> these people who are supposedly gods frequently use the expletive Jesus. Yeah. Which I don't think Tom King was thinking about. Literal I Jesus. don't think he was either. I think it was just his uh, goal to make them seem more mundane and curse the way normal Americans might curse, you know, when they're startled by, oh, Jesus, what was that bug or something like that. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. And I think that's an oversight and something, not that specifically, but something that does get overlooked with the new gods is this idea of them being gods and how do they interplay with all that. Another weird thread is... You know, it was already established that Funky Flashman is Stan Lee way back the first time he appeared. But in here, he ends up their nanny for their son, Jacob, mm-hmm. which is Jack Kirby's real name, Jacob. And um, and they have scenes <laughs> where he talks about Jacob doing drawings and I add the words to it. And Jacob's the real genius. And there's just all kinds of Jack Kirby and Stan Lee jokes throughout here. And even a, sto- a retelling of the story of Galactus, but substituting like a, a golden retriever instead of Silver Surfer and calling Galactus Star Sucker. Yeah, it's a lot of nodding and winking. And I was actually curious what you thought of the war section where we keep going from battle frame to him dealing with the kid and back and forth. It was really powerful in a way, and on my second reading of it now, I'm wondering what Tom King wanted me to make of that. Like, do real-life soldiers experience that, where they go to war and then they come back to the, in the kind of modern wars that Americans go to, we don't have the war in our country, right? We go off, they have a a deployment for a certain number of months, and then they come back to the base or to the United States, and then they go out on deployment again. Depend, You know, sometimes you'll read about, you know, this guy went out for seven deployments or something. You know, most people only, I think, go out for two and then they've had enough. So maybe it's reflective of that kind of experience, but yeah, I could see I'm that. not sure if that was... Uh, one thing that, you know, because I've heard a lot of interviews with Tom King and he's very open about the fact that he worked for the CIA and that he worked in various, according to him, uh, he can't give us details, but in various um, hotspots like Iraq and Afghanistan. I think he said Afghanistan or maybe some other parts of Europe or something. So I don't know if he's expressing his own P- PTSD and his own experiences of going back and forth between war zones and then normal life in the United States. The Mundendi part does seem to have this idea of an autobiographical touch. There's something there that just seems like it's particular to this comic. And it does seem uniquely Tom King, as does the humor. Right. Um, In a way that that's part of what was pulling me out of the book. I think a lot of what he adds and what he does in these kinds of areas isn't my cup of tea normally. Does it feel like kind of a kitchen sink of just different Tom King tricks? Maybe. Um, There is something reminiscent of it to the stuff I wasn't liking in Batman. The the amount of... It's almost almost the entire book is these nine-panel grids, which um, people often talk about as being from Watchmen. Although, as as we've often said, Steve Ditko and many other people did it before. That's where comics started. But they, but Tom King, and I remember him doing this a lot in um, that outer space thing that DC he did. That was also a 12-issue run. Anyway, he uses the... He does have his own way of using the nine-panel grid, which is very artsy and very... And, and also plays a lot with timing and humor as opposed to pure storytelling the well, way I Watchmen mean... would have used it. Yeah, I mean, it was more like three panels stacked than nine panel grid in some way at times. Setups. Like here where he's playing with the dark side, it's like a checkerboard. And it, it's almost like you're supposed to just look at it all as one. And 
Yeah, I feel like this is an eleven issue comic if you took uh-huh. out all the dark side is from it. <laughs> That's true. And I personally, maybe just because I'm a old fashioned want a happy ending story, would have been happy to end at issue 11 where they've defeated Darkseid. And that's it. That, you know, they finally um, achieved something there. But that, again, that's not really the story of the book. The story of the book is his um, growing up, emotional well being, however you want to look at it. It's that dark side problem is something that forces him to act, forces him to become proactive in his life, not just kind of at the whims of the situation or, you know, problem right in front of him. Uh-huh. But uh, that, that last does he grow up in that last him. issue? Not really. That's the problem. That's why it's kind of a thud. Unless growing up is that he decided not to enter the other universe that um, was offered to him by Metron. The growing up was to not become a superhero and go off and join the Justice League. Right. Even though in the story earlier, he hangs out with some of his Justice League buddies. It's not like the Justice League didn't exist in the universe we were in. So that confused the heck out of me, but. There's always different versions of the Justice League. My running theory now that we've read quite a lot of Tom King, I mean, we meaning us current comic book fans collectively, <laughs> is because you've read some Tom King, I've read some, we haven't either of us read all of it, I don't think. Yeah. Um, I think you may have hate read some of his Batman after I gave up. I'm not sure. Are you still reading it? Uh, no, I haven't read it in a long time. Anyway, um... My theory about Tom King, and I may have said this to you before, is that I don't, I sub, maybe subconsciously, because in interviews he talks as if he's a superhero writer, I don't think he likes superheroes. I think he's trying to undo superheroes and undermine them. Mm-hmm. And that's what he did in The Vision, and it was brilliant. It was a brilliant book, but it was not a, it was an unsuperhero book. It, it turned The Vision inside out in a way that, you know, made him more like a character from modern mundane fiction where you're dealing with family life and that's sort of what he did with mr miracle but even more with mr miracle kind of um seemingly perhaps having him reject the whole concept of being a superhero while still being a god (laughs) yes i i agree with that though all the minutiae and moments of this book point to a love and understanding of all the build of Mr. Miracle prior. True. He has absorbed and thought about Mr. Miracle more than anyone before since Jack Kirby. He's really looked at what Jack Kirby did and thought it through in his own terms, I think, um, which I think may have to do with P- PTSD and, and uh, depression. But clearly you could find that in the, the Mr. Miracle story and, and in Apocalypse. So... Yeah, the the weirdest part is making, <laughs> for me in the end, I, as I think about it more, making Mr. Miracle's baby Jack Kirby, since Mr. Miracle is Jack Kirby's baby. <laughs> and then hiring Stan Lee to be his nanny. <laughs> that part is kind of tickles my fancy. <laughs> so maybe that's the part I want to come away with in the end. Well, and that's a... Uh... I mean, I, I think there's something about this book that a lot of comic book fans liked because it was willing to dive in and speak to people who either were willing to go with the story or have a love of the lore and are going to get kind of the in-jokes. This isn't a book that you'd be expecting a new reader to just hop onto. They either have to kind of be a versed comic reader or a down and out Mr. Miracle fan through and through. And I think there's a strength in that because it allows the book to dig a little deeper without having to justify itself in that way. And it's striking to me that, um, that at least a good enough percentage of superhero comic book readers are willing to go with a book like this. It was quite successful in floppies and I assume it's still successful in trades to go with something that is such a sort of artsy put on and a an artistic stunt in a way um you know page after page of artistic stunts 
Yeah, and like you said, this is a dressing down. In a way, like we were talking about with the identity crisis or whatnot, like this is a different kind of deconstruction of the superhero. And I think very literally it is a deconstruction of the superhero aspect of a character and only leaving the bits around to still have them be the same character but live as normal of a life as possible in the end. So it's a very... Yeah, I would very much consider this influenced by identity crisis, I think. I mean, it, hmm. that, that I, I, it's carrying the through line of the, the superheroes as weak human beings and their domestic, the importance of their domestic life and that there can be screwed up elements in their domestic life, like the Adam's ex-wife in identity crisis and drawing that out, taking that, and I, and I view identity crisis as kind of part of the line drawn after Watchmen too, taking all that stuff and pushing it kind of very daringly in a lot of ways to an even more extreme place. Well, and I mean, so this is very much a postmodern work in as those two kind of are, but this one in a very right. different way. And I think that's alluded to very well with the first and final cover of first Mr. Miracle being on a stage doing an escape act. And then the second, um, him and Big Barda with roses being thrown at them, kind of like the finale of the show. And that idea of a story being done in light of itself. So they're, they've kind of staged the right. story in a way for that and i think that all fits and works in, in that way that the story is almost a story told in light of itself right. so i think this almost has more to do with final crisis than it does identity crisis and i haven't read final crisis so oh my goodness that's i am right. lacking in my knowledge there it's the only event comic i think you probably should read <laughs> and i don't think you're gonna love it but i think right. you'll be okay. uh I will fascinated read it. by it, and a lot of the side books on Final Crisis is uh, pretty darn good too. Just to say, it's the only I DC just, event. I, I got confused by the word crisis on so many things, and didn't know I had to read anymore. <laughs> That's understandable. Um, Identity Crisis was a book. It was okay. Then there was Infinite Crisis, which me, and then Final Crisis was something else, and the side books by and large are pretty good i think the only other event book i really liked by dc ever was um the sinestro core war so uh -huh. which i have not read either I, how, have you read any of jeff john's uh green lantern stuff basically only what he did in the new 52 which is oh almost like God. the epilogue to everything wow okay in fact, you can view my period of not knowing anything about DC as being the Jeff Johns period of DC, I think. Oh, so the good stuff. Well, yeah, apparently. I mean, after, you know, there's some guy who made some stuff, uh, Jack, uh, Jack someone, you know. Made some stuff? Yeah, what? yeah. He, he, uh, he made that uh, fourth world and whatever. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> And uh, there's some other writers for there's a while. Lots there's lots of good books. DC in the 80s, too. <laughs> was there? Was there? Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, so you're pointing out how it's how those covers at the beginning and the end make it seem all like a stage show is very interesting. It is kind of like a, a postmodern play because plays have that as opposed to movies or novels, they have that kind of artificial quality to them because mm -hmm. they are just dialogue with people you can see standing on a stage. And it is like a, almost like a puppet show or something. <laughs> Although at the same time, so deeply personal in a lot of scenes. And I think that's the thing is it gets more to the personhood than it does the the grandeur of everything i mean as much as he gives me a lot to complain about i do think that you know when i read a book like this or the vision or some of his other shorter work that tom king is brilliant but that brilliance isn't really quite enough like he needs something more in the long run for me to really last as a writer that's fair i, I don't really know what i mean by that but <laughs> 
But it'll be interesting to see because next he's going to take on Adam Strange. And he's going to do a, another 12-issue series with Adam Strange with Nick Gerard's doing, or Mitch Gerard, sorry, doing some of the art, doing the kind of mundane art, I think. And then um, Doc Shaner, I don't know if you're familiar with that artist, doing the other more comic booky art. And Doc Shaner has a very retro 1960s style to it. I was going to assume maybe less superhero, more like that kind of cosmic art with kind of a, uh, you know, like nebulas in the background, maybe a little more of a painterly feel. Uh, well, maybe Nick, Mitch Gerards will do that. But so part of it will, will because Adam Strange, his uh, heyday was in the 60s in the Silver Age when he was drawn by Carmine Infantino and people like that hmm. with this very clean you know, 1950s idea of what the future would look like. Yeah, World Fair idea, right? Right, the whole World Fair future kind of feel. So anyway, I'm looking forward to that a lot, even though I've been avoiding his Batman. But <laughs> if you think about even this story too much, it drives you crazy because I don't think in the end Tom King was clear enough with his audience about what it was about. Well, I think this is a book you're supposed to read through and pour over and Quiddle yourself into to come to right. conclusions, but I think. But I right. have I, done that. <laughs> well, you Especially, also want uh, something a little more definitive I want, than what this book's going to well, give you. But coming, uh, I so I was hoping reading it the second time that that final issue would make more sense to me. Okay, and it still didn't. Makes sense. So I think I would have liked it much better, as I said before, without the the final issue. Not huge on the final issue, but I, I do understand that that is the final issue as opposed to number 11. So. And whatever's going on in that final issue is what Tom King really wants to say. But I've now read the whole series twice, and I still don't know what Tom King wants to say. So is he really a successful writer despite his brilliance? Huh. I, I mean, mean do you, what do you think he was saying? I think he was saying if you find kind of your purpose you know what motivates you, you you'll be happy but what it is in your 20s versus your 30s or you know when you're growing up versus when you're uh -huh. grown up is going to be different and you're going to have to go with that but also kind of the idea of moving from what excited you as a kid versus what excited you as an adult but again i read this more as an age parable than a uh that's interesting so i think in a way you're projecting Potentially. Yeah, projecting Maybe you're myself right. into it. But that's where you are in life. You're at that uh, crossroads between sort of the youthful fantasy and the crushing reality. <laughs> I am, but I mean, that's also right where this book is, right? I guess, but I mean, yes and no. Okay. I mean, I, well, hopefully you're not about to kill yourself, but there's the whole... Only some days. Now <laughs> just mail me a bomb instead of killing yourself. <laughs> um, maybe I need to reread issue 12 yet again. Or maybe it just doesn't work for you. I mean, I, I don't think it's some master class. You know, maybe you are right. Maybe it's a matter of, you know, choosing different lives. And that's what it's about. Well, or just kind of choosing your bit. I mean, once he doubles down on the kid, because he, first he chooses to live. And then they have the kid. And then he chooses to keep the kid despite all odds because in order to keep the kid they have to kill the devil basically right, right? who they also so, constantly call his father even though biologically he's not well yeah and but and and he didn't raise him or anything right i don't think he ever saw dark side he was just yeah and that's something that bothered me too so i mean they have this kid swap before which was uh mr miracle and orion who have this tenuous relationship which they bring up later when mr miracle ultimately kills them anyways uh and then <laughs> and then they get to this dark side bit and ultimately he kills dark side um right with a piece of orion's body the knife is made from orion's body right this uh specialized weapon and all that and there's something, too, about Metatron speaking for Darkseid, whereas Darkseid actually doesn't speak much for himself. That's true. And, and you, you assume, or I assumed that that was Desaad, but then it turns out to be Metron. Right. 
Yeah, Darkseid never speaks in the entire book. Other people speak for him. What I don't understand is Darkseid's motivation. Why does he want their kid? Right. Because they, they spend two issues building up this war and then these treaties that they're going through. And then the, at the end of the treaties, um, after they kind of capitulate on some things, Darkseid gives them basically everything they were going to ask for. It says, but you have to give me your kid. Why? Why does he want their kids so bad? And the thing is, is like, it doesn't matter to the story, but it's also bad storytelling not to give him a good motivation. Right. Darkseid doesn't have any motivation. I just found that Darkseid finally speaks on page 267 of my copy. And okay. there's a black panel that says Darkseid is, and then Darkseid says, yes, I am. <laughs> Yeah, and that's the only time he speaks. But I don't. Sorry, that's a a side to to what you were saying. Well, and the interesting thing, because what I loved when we went back and read the Pact from the New New Gods, which was the kind of origin story of how all this got set up, in that Darkseid was the master manipulator. Now, Mm -hmm. does Tom has Tom King thought about that? And has Darkseid manipulated everything? And there is talk about. There, one of the things that I think is hinted at in issue 12, there's too many possibilities hinted at in issue 12, and one of them is that uh, everything that he's currently experiencing is part of Darkseid's control of reality, I think. Mm-hmm. The other two explanations is that he's in hell and he's imagining somehow getting out of hell, or he's in heaven, and he's, but he isn't in the real world except that he's there with his wife and baby, which is the real world for most of us. But my head is spinning. (laughs) Yeah. um, I just, I think it's an interesting book, but I just, I I feel like it's supposed to feel like this tapestry that comes together and it's just not the masterclass that it's kind of putting itself up to be. Yeah. Well, I think rather than writing tapestries, what in a lot of books Tom King does is write a series of, Um, tarot cards you flip it over you get a different future prediction you flip over the next card you get a different thing and you flip over the next card they're all part of the same deck but he keeps flipping the cards that's interesting too because the tarot cards are based on archetypical character types Mm -hmm. and those are supposed to read to something that's going to happen in your future and what's interesting here is all the new god characters are basically boiled down to character types, not even really characters, with the exceptions of Big Barda and Mr. Miracle, the two that have the real-world connection. So there's something there to what you're saying, too. And in another way of looking at it, like with each card, Tom King has a slightly different idea. So when you talked about like that whole series of negotiations, I think in Tom King think existed because it was cool to do that series of negotiations and it didn't matter if then he flipped the card and we were in a different thing where Darkseid had a different plan all along and the negotiations were meaningless Um, well that the negotiations were just a thing on their own and then the next thing was that Darkseid wants the child and that was a different riff a different idea a different concept than the negotiation concept Well, it's also a negotiation tactic where if you're going to pull something that kind of sideways, what you do is you let people do what they're expecting to do for a while so they get invested. And then when you pull that, it makes them consider it more or care about it more because they've already put in, it's much harder for them to walk away from it completely. Well, there then you've answered your own question about why Darkseid did that. (laughs) Well, no, no, no. It's not that it's not when he did it or how he did Mm -hmm. it it's why it's still not i still don't know why he wants the kid i understand he wanted the kid so i can get the motivation of the tactics of it but not the end why does he care about having their kid that's true because the whole idea of him wanting their kid is a torture for scott free and barda but what does it gain dark side right When, when dark side originally did this swap of kids it was all about um, how he was gaining, how he made himself the king of apocalypse, and then how he wanted to buy himself time to get a hold of the um, the formula, the um, anti-life. anti-life equation, before he declared war on on New Genesis again, 
and he'd planned to let Scott Free escape right at the moment when he was ready to end his um, peace, peace with New Genesis in the original. So yeah, that I hadn't thought about that, but you're right. You're very right that that there's no particular motivation for Dark Side, um, except that you know the personal torture of these two people. I guess, but I don't even know that he cares about that either. Right? Like they're not living some grand lives in his face or anything. Yeah. Um, I mean, frankly, they wouldn't have been invested in this if he mm-hmm. hadn't kind of pulled them in. Yeah. Uh, there's. But Tom yeah. King wanted to recapitulate the um, the deal with the devil that uh, Mr. Miracle's father made, uh, giving right. your son to the devil, just like uh, Abraham was willing to sacrifice his son to God. Only in this case, it's God sacrificing his son to the devil. I guess it's kind of a Jesus thing, maybe. I don't know. I've got all oh, my man. Bible stuff confused here now by man. Bible metaphors. <laughs> all my all my books are becoming Bible parables now uh, that I'm talking about this week. My next Spider-Man book is uh, was a parable for the book of Job. Oh, really? Wow. I think the world's trying to tell you something. Time to become a rabbi. Ah. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, everything that I read about the scripture makes me think it's even worse than I remember. <laughs> so, um, well, on to a, a different aspect of what where this annoyed me is as a Jack Kirby fanboy. Because... That's understandable. Even, I, at one level, I appreciate the depth to which Tom King has thought about uh, some of the elements of Jack Kirby's sort of... Jack Kirby's own tapestry, right? Uh, the, the New Gods is more of a tapestry than a direct story either. I have mm-hmm. to admit that. But he also undoes a lot of stuff, particularly my heroes Orion and Light Ray, who I loved as a kid. <laughs> yeah, Light Ray is just kind of a doof. Light Ray is a weaselly toady who perhaps has a kind of uh, effeminate love for the power of Orion. Um, right. And other than that, exists to be beat up by people, and uh, and Orion is you know just a total egotistical jerk of a bully and nothing else, and seemed to be black in this. Did, was he? Yeah, there were comic. some strange scenes with him. He does have yeah. slightly darker skin. I don't, but he has reddish hair. Yeah, I don't know. He just looked weird through this whole comic, yeah. and I was trying to figure out what they were doing there. Um, I could. This gets to something that even when Tom King's hitting on older comics that I don't like is he seems to get the cerebral side mm-hmm. of what's going on—the facts, the figures, the motions, the plots—but the emotional side, the the who, why of why everybody does stuff and right. why it matters to us as readers seems lost right. on him and that comes through in those characterizations that you were talking about well i like and, that observation because it fits with my feeling that he doesn't really get superheroes so he instinctively undermines them rather than understands what makes them heroic yeah and that seemed to come through in the batman run as well right he's more comfortable with the non-heroic sides and yet he has this skill of weaving in all these details. Um, I would have, I would have loved this book if it had just been about, like a Philip K. Dick type of story in a sense about, is Darkseid in control of my life now, or do I have free will? Am I able to fight Darkseid, or is he inside my head? Because there's a lot of talk about Darkseid being inside my head, and so there's well- no fighting him. And there's so much, uh, there's so many moments through this book where he says something like, I can escape any time. But at no point is he trying to play a parable or something of like him trying to escape the parental life by diving into this new war. Or right. is he trying to escape the machinations of Dark Side by being a nonchalant schlub or any of that? That's not what it seems. It seems like he's kind of trapped in his own life or something. And there's no idea that the ultimately could have landed on very well in issue 12 of the idea of like, you can escape so many things, but eventually you have to be comfortable with where you live. And it's not a trap. It's a, it's not a trap. It's not something to escape. It's just where you are or something and finding that comfort. And maybe the idea of like the comfortable shackles or something that you Mm -hmm. choose, something like that. Um, 
and th th there's there's so many places do kind of some metaphor here and also frankly some straight more just uh direct traps and none of that is held throughout i was actually thinking of um the this odd comic with an odd history called the escapist uh -huh. I, i'm about... familiar with it but i haven't read it yeah but it was a comic made out of a fictional pair of comic creators cavalier and clay which yeah. i read part of that novel i didn't get all the way through it yeah i didn't either because it was a slog uh but in that there there's a lot more parable to like him escaping traps and doing these things and then what was going on to the larger context and i was expecting some of that fun interplay and that's just not in this book there's a lot more of him sitting on a couch or people eating a veggie tray they make try to make such a big thing about the veggie tray right it's a very joss whedon-esque touch of trying to i thought like, it was like trying to be like seinfeld <laughs> that works too yeah this yeah, and it's just, it lands flat. It did, that that veggie tray stuff landed flat. And it when it was brought back the second time with Darkseid, it landed even flatter, I thought. It's like, yeah, ah, I think Darkseid is eating a carrot that he dipped in the onion dip or something. Well, yeah, and I think that's because I think the people who are tickled by this comic are those who are going to be tickled by the juxtaposition of the mundane to the superhero, and so like oh ho ho dark side ate from a veggie tray oh ho ho um doing the kind of schoolgirl anime laugh for those right. who can't see me on the <laughs> podcast i i just I, I i don't care i i get that that's supposed to be a joke but it's not funny right. at all you're gonna have to push harder there has to be an actual joke there and also you're doing the grid none of those jokes were set up with three panels really the way they should have been. And it's sitting mm -hmm. right there for you to take advantage of. But they do, I, I have to say there are times they use that grid in masterful ways. It's like how many different ways can you use that nine panel grid? And they just find so many different ways to use it. It's, it's almost that they, this might've been better as a six issue series. It's almost like there was, they had too much space and they had to stuff too many gags and too many riffs because it kind of feel for instance we had two issues where um scott free and big barda have to make a big decision one is whether scott's going to give himself over to be executed which seems ridiculous why would you do that and and then the second one is is sort of all over again but this time do i give my son over to the devil so that other people won't die and it seemed those two issues seem very much the same to me. Well, there's a reason. There's a synchronicity there. I guess you could say that. But but it, I don't know. It, I think if he only had six issues, he might have forced himself to pare down some of these ideas, take out some of the stuff, and focus the story a little more. I think uh, balking at the repetition superhero stories is kind of hard because so much of this book is based on repetition. The idea of the child and the devil is repetition of what came before. The significance of it is the mirror to what was original before. And so, I don't know, like if you take that away, it just kind of is shorter but it takes away what he's trying to drive to i think and doesn't give it the time to breathe because so much of this comic is about the small bits and dealing with the kid or dealing with the line or having the laugh before the potential idea of execution um but it's kind of like two stories neither of which quite come to their conclusion one is before he has the kid and one is after he has the kid which, in a sense, fits into your idea of that crossroads in life where you have to start accepting, you know, a more limited path in your life because you make life choices and then, then you have those things set before you. Yeah. But they don't fully connect. Like, you've got this idea of suicide and what is real and what isn't. And then you've got this idea of children and sacrifice and the repeating of the woes of your childhood into the ch into your children um it doesn't all mesh so i think he needed i the more i think about it he needed to choose he needed to choose amongst his themes and not 
put everything in this one book. Yeah, maybe. I mean... Or at least for me. I mean, obviously, this thing won some Eisners, right? And... Ironically. Not not every 12-issue miniseries goes into nice hardbacks. and Anyway... So it's a success in, on many levels. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it hit people, but I think part of the reason it hit people is because this was kind of the indie book or kind of slice of life book for those who will only read superhero comics as well. So I think if you... It was their break of, from superheroes or something? Well, I mean, if, if you only read superhero comics, uh, a lot of the themes or ideas presented here, or even the artistic plays, um, are going to feel a lot more fresh than readers like you or me who dive outside. Well, see, I was thinking this actually was evidence of a of an audience that goes both ways, <laughs> that is now used to the non-superhero comics and can accept a thing with some of the dressing of a superhero comic that is not at all really a superhero comic oh like spider-man and i uh i haven't been reading recent spider-man maybe it's like this too oh i've no 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 no. (laughs) i was just saying like ultimately like a lot of the big parts of spider-man are effectively a soap drama with some punching well true true right and uh funky flashman is the one who invented that right put a lot of soap opera that's true yeah But no, it was more, th- and so I was thinking that for a lot of the m- the more recent readers who are maybe more flexible um, and are able to go back and forth, it particularly doesn't matter to them that it's being done with someone like Mister Miracle, because he's not for except for a, a reader like myself, he he doesn't hold a lot of um, you know weight in people's minds about a superhero they care about. Right, but, he hadn't but had a series since the 90s. There's been more pushback on King when he does this kind of thing to Batman. Um, well, well, yeah, and that's kind of the curse of writing Superman or Batman or whatever. And when Mr. Miracle first came out, like the first issue came out, or even before in the hype before it came out, he said, this is definitely in continuity. You've got to read this because it's going to connect right up to the Marvel, I mean, the DC Universe and... You know, we'll continue on into Mr. Miracle in other comics and stuff, which is a total lie. <laughs> I think <Yeah>. he's deluded. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I'd agree with that. <laughs> but he is brilliant. So, I mean, I hope he doesn't write. Yeah, I disagree with that. I hope he doesn't write himself out of comics. I just hope he finds the right comics to do. Maybe, you know, it'd be, it's probably going to be hard for him to go from being the Batman writer to just being a guy who does the occasional miniseries or something. Yeah, I'll be doing this Adam Strange and then anything else. Right. Like, Was his, he had that crisis book of his own. What was it called? Heroes in Crisis. Oh, yeah, which, which was... I only read one issue of it. Yeah, I heard it was pretty well panned yeah. overall. So I don't know how the sales on that were. Yeah, so that's it'll be interesting to see where his career goes. And right now, scares the heck out of me, he's co-writing a script for a New Gods movie, <laughs> which I assume is on the basis of this Mr. Miracle. Ugh. But I don't think there'll be much Tom King left <laughs> when you have the Hollywood process uh, work over the script. Yeah, well, I guess there's that. Uh, well, maybe. We'll see. I uh, I don't know. <laughs> well, do you equate the soap opera in this Mr. Miracle in some way to what you read in Spider-Man and what you like about Spider-Man? No. No, I didn't think so. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I don't really even think this is a soap drop. This is, I don't know, this is more, um, it hit a poetic line for me, I guess, just dealing with this like cycle of every day kind of thing maybe some seasons or whatever but it's pretty it's taking a pretty droll idea of how to look at life and whatnot and putting a lot of colorful new god stuff in or around it so this it sounds like this has confirmed your feeling that maybe you don't want to read tom king anymore at all 
I mean, if there's a reason to, I mean, this book is interesting, um, but if this is the, the best he's got, I, I don't want to be diving into like an Adam Strange or something, but if there's a good miniseries or something with a hook, I might bite, but not, not a huge fan now. I got others. I've got plenty of other stuff to read. Yeah. Yeah. I know you do. Well, um, then till next time, we will try to stay alive and be back with another podcast. Woohoo!